0: The following podcast may contain spoilers, profanity, and views or opinions that may not be representative of the author's intent of the articles discussed. We don't always take ourselves or the subject matter
1: seriously either. Listener discretion is advised.
0: The following is a Galactic
1: Netcast production. For more, go to gncasts.com.
0: The Force is strong with us, and we hope it is strong with you. Welcome to another edition of the new Jedi Archives with Zach Hagenbusher and Ben Schultz. Oh, Zach. Hello, Ben.
1: How are you? Pretty good. Yourself? Oh, not too bad. I'm warming up. Which makes me happy. It's almost shorts weather. I know.
0: We're, we've almost survived this Wisconsin winter. I shouldn't say that out loud. Because... I was going to say, now you did it. There you yeah. go. Uh, it, it has been a trying time in Wisconsin this year. But hopefully, uh, we can get past this whole death weather and uh, and get into the spring and get ever so closer to the final chapter of the Skywalker Saga.
1: In December.
0: December. Did you see the photo that was released by J.J. Abrams from the set?
1: Uh, Which photo? I saw a bunch of photos, but I don't know which ones were official release and which ones were... There was some leaked photos that were out there. Oh, sure.
0: No, this was one that he he tweeted out. Uh, It was either, you know, as of this recording, yesterday or the day before. Um, And uh, it was uh, saying that principal photography on episode nine is done. And it was a photo of Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, and Oscar Isaac embracing at the end of the shoot.
1: I did see that. I think I might have seen it retweeted by John Boyega. Yeah. mm -hmm. Um, Um, I didn't realize it was originally a J.J. tweet.
0: It was originally a J.J. tweet. And it's interesting because their costumes do not look incredibly different. It looks like the characters are going to have very much the same garb pretty much throughout the whole trilogy. Yeah, you don't know that. I mean, sure, they may have different costumes through the movie, but if, if this is to be their, you know, Finn is wearing the jacket that he had.
1: Well, um, but what I mean is, we don't know what order they shot the scenes. Yeah, true. So they could have been doing reshoots. Well, actually, you said principal photography is done, so reshoots will be left to come.
0: Well, maybe not reshoots. I I mean, I think he just said photography. I don't think he said principal. I think because at this point, you'd think they'd have to be done with the movie. I mean, they've only got a few months to edit.
1: It could have been that they were reshooting the the opening scene, and then they took the photo after it was all done. Yeah, maybe. You you know what I mean? I, I just don't think we can extrapolate from a single image that they're going to end roughly where they start. You would Not end right. where they started, but you know what I'm saying. And
0: I also uh, have heard that, uh, at least according to an interview that John Boyega gave uh, I, I believe not more than a month ago, um, that the film will be taking place about a year after The Last Jedi, which... to me is a little too short of an amount of time, but I guess, hey, they they know what they're doing, right? At at least in theory.
1: In theory? Yeah. I don't know. This has been a weird week. I actually found myself defending Ray last night, Ray's depiction in pretty much the last two movies.
0: Well, you should because, you know, it's worth defending.
1: Well, it was that Mary Sue claim popped up again. Right.
0: And we've gone over that.
1: Right, and it annoys the shit out of me, so I just slap it down.
0: Excellent. Well, perhaps that's something that we can get into this week. Um, I just want to welcome everybody to another edition of the New Jedi Archives once again, uh, and thank you for listening. However you are listening, iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker.com, the original home of the show, GNCasts.com, uh, part of Galactic Netcasts. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, for Network. No, nope. We they've changed their name.
1: <laughs> Did they?
0: Yeah, we are now part of Galactic Netcasts once again. That was actually the original name of the website. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, don't worry, Ben. I didn't. I didn't uh, misspeak.
1: I should have known better.
0: <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys being along for the ride. We just want to remind you one more time: it's actually when this episode airs this coming weekend. Uh, Ben and I will be in Manitowoc, Wisconsin, for another edition of Fire and Ice, a gaming convention held inside of basically uh, a big uh, concrete building, right, an Expo Hall. Yep. Um, Last time I was at this convention, it was, you know, the weather was very much like this because that's what happens in Wisconsin (laughs) in January or in February, Uh, and it it was definitely an escape from the frigid outdoors. So uh, the drive there was a little harrowing, I will say. So let, let's let cross our fingers and hope that it's not the same way.
1: Um, I, I would agree.
0: But yes, we're going to be there. We're going to be giving away a sheet of uh, a, com- a complete collection of these 23 karat gold cards uh, made around the release of the special editions of the original trilogy and Shadows of the Empire. And if you're looking to win this set of cards as some folks have already tried to do, uh, go ahead and give us your feedback or send us a question, whatever you want to do on our Facebook page or email us at, uh, new Jedi at gmail.com.
1: Right. Death threats have to be directed to me. Zach is fragile. I'm
0: fragile and I'll, I'll take that <laughs> as a, as a serious offense. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, All right. Ben, do you think that we got that out of the way? I think we're good there. Okay. With that being said, this week, we start a little bit of a uh, an escapade. Um, with all of the serious overthinking and over-criticism, in my opinion, of the newer Star Wars films in the last few years, I feel like it's only fair that we turn that same amount of uh, a- analytics, right? I mean, is is that the the proper phrase? I guess I'm not sure. Yeah, but that'll work. We turn that same amount of attention to the other Star Wars films, and when I say the other Star Wars films, I am of course talking about the original six, uh, the original trilogy from the late 70s, early 80s, and the prequel trilogy from the late 90s and early 2000s, and I figured for this first installment uh, it would just be easiest, because Ben and I have had many conversations about this before, and I'd like to see where this goes, Uh, to start with the prequel trilogy, uh, The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. Uh, So how we're going to do this is a little bit of a good, bad, and ugly uh, the good will be something good. the bad will be something that we consider bad, not you know terrible but but bad for sure. And then of course ugly, which is just almost unforgivable. How's that Ben?
1: I think we can do that.
0: okay. Um, so I'm thinking that and this is a very off the cuff conversation. I'm thinking that maybe we can just uh. One of us can come up with a point, and maybe we'll see if the other agrees. Uh, All right. Let's start with something good.
1: Uh, Uh, Ewan McGregor is Obi-Wan?
0: Yeah, I think I can agree with that. I think that Ewan certainly, he looked the part. Um, He looked enough like a young Alec Guinness to make the uh, connection. Uh, And I think that he treated the films with with an amount of respect. You know, with some class, I think that he his apparent desire to continue being involved in the franchise is admirable, considering the most of the reception to the films that he was in as a whole. Um, I, I like Ewan McGregor, I always did, and I think that uh, he also kind of humanized the character, because we, we see him at this, you know, much younger stage. But when we see him in the original trilogy, he's this, you know, he's he's so wizened and he's seen all these things and he's definitely, you know, Luke's teacher figure uh, the entire time. We don't really see him in any other context. So I, I thought that he brought uh, a very large degree of uh, realism Carl. to that side of things.
1: Okay. I agree with that so your turn something bad
0: oh okay um something bad uh i i feel like we gotta go with is is jar jar bad or is he ugly i think we might want to save him okay i that's that's fair that's fair uh bad um i would say i mean granted it's what they had available to them at the time, but I I think you could say that the CGI Yoda, at least in Attack of the Clones, is certainly bad.
1: We're jumping movies now.
0: Well, yeah, this is the trilogy as a oh, whole. All of them as a whole. Yeah. Okay. This okay. is the trilogy as a whole. I think that the CGI for Yoda in particular. Um, on Attack of the Clones has not aged well at all.
1: I definitely agree with that.
0: Now, it granted, uh, like I said, um, you know, state of the art at the time, but and, and probably a necessary move, but it just ha- it doesn't look very appealing anymore. Maybe that's a little bit of a cop out for me for bad, but
1: well, I'm sure if George was still in charge, he'd remaster it. And I think
0: that... Well, hang on. Let me... Let me make... Let me make a change to this. Away from Yoda, but to, maybe to the larger perspective. And this is something you, I, I think I would put in the bad camp, not the ugly camp. Um, I think that the decision to make definitely Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith very visual effect heavy and not use much set pieces or real set locations at all... Um, it definitely ages those films in a way that the others are not. Uh, and okay, I agree. Um, because, you know, it's only going to look so good for so long when the technology continues to improve. Not that I don't think they've done a good job on the Blu-ray releases and the digital releases of trying to clean those pieces up, but I do think that when you limit yourself with that style of technology at that time, you know, as as the technology continues to improve, you're only dating your film. Um, So perhaps if they would have spent a little more money and used a little more physical set pieces and locations like they did on episode one, um, then the films would look a little more appealing today.
1: Okay. So, ugly. I am going to go with uh, Naboo as a whole, the whole planet. Wow. Really? Yeah. Even after they accept the Gungans as one of their own? From their political system to their racism to their uh, jump right from we have Sprint as a carrier to uh, it must be an invasion Um, they just seem like drama queens, uh, with everything that they do.
0: Okay. I I think I can agree with that.
1: Uh, I mean, it's pretty severe, I think. Well, but it's, it's a very not flattering picture of the people we're supposed to be rooting for. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's true. But so. that that leads me into my next good point, and I would consider this a good point. Um, it adds, the prequels as a whole, add a layer of moral ambiguity to the saga that didn't exist before.
1: I, I agree. Uh,
0: the actions of the Jedi Order, the fact that they were not always this force for absolute good that we were led to believe in the original trilogy, uh, the fact that they... Are very. Um, I use the term human. Obviously, there's a lot of sentient species in the in the Jedi right. Order, but they're human in the sense that they make mistakes. They are blinded by ambitions and goals that you wouldn't necessarily think that they would be, uh, and these things are what leads to their downfall as much as anything that Darth Sidious himself actually put into plan. Um, so that's why I, I, I don't think Star Wars would be what it is now. It wouldn't be, frankly, it would not be as good. I would not enjoy it and continue to digest it as much as I would like, or as much as I have without the prequel films in that regard.
1: So, uh, so what exactly is the good that you're saying? That, that it added a layer
0: of moral ambiguity to the saga, uh, okay. It made you question decisions that were made during the films. And then later on, you know, in retrospect, it makes you look at characters like Obi-Wan and Yoda from the original trilogy in a
1: in a different light. All right. I I, I agree. I like the moral ambiguity that that has plagued Star Wars in the last five movies. I think it's, I think as a whole, it's a good thing. Okay. But for my bad, I am going to, and I was actually going to pick this before you picked your moral ambiguity. So now I'm a little bit torn. I was going to say exactly how far the Jedi had fallen from what we believed was a bad thing. Um, it was really hard for me to root for the people who are supposed to be the heroes when they were allowing slavery and cheating at gambling and, um, you know, uh, completely disregarding Anakin. But are uh, they supposed to be
0: the heroes in that traditional sense then? Or aren't they just the the protagonist characters.
1: Oh, I guess they're just protagonists, but I I do think as much as I appreciate the moral ambiguity that became or that came into Star Wars, Star Wars has always been a morality tale. And while the moral ambiguity was nice, blurring the line between light and dark in the way that they did, I'm just not sure I'm a I'm a fan. I, I think that that made it very hard to... I, I think the only reason we rooted for Obi-Wan is because he was Obi-Wan, not because he was a character worthy of being rooted for, especially in The Phantom Menace. Where where do we pick up, up these or by proxy,
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, where do we pick up these pathetic life forms? Right, or or something along those lines.
1: It, so yeah, the more primitive life forms. Um, you know what I mean? The, the Jedi were just they weren't noble heroes who had gone down a fallen path. They were just assholes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
0: And, well, to be fair, perhaps, and and you you and I have argued this for a while, I think. I I don't think that the idea that the Jedi Order should be heroes, the idea that they should insert themselves into these conversations, into these situations, perhaps it's best if they don't. So, I, I don't know if... I don't know if... When you when you come up on Obi Wan who had been raised in the temple, Qui Gon who had been raised in the temple, you know, so many so many of the heroic Jedi that we do come across, and I, I'm I'm having this I can't believe I've never thought of this before. So many of the heroic like straight up heroic Jedi that we come across are people who were not raised in the temple. I mean Kanan, Ezra heroes, right? Right. For sure. Like un, unquestionably. But they were fighting for a greater cause the entire time they weren't brought up in the Jedi religion Ahsoka yes she was raised in the temple but she was cast away and I think it's having that real world experience that makes her into a better hero Um, Luke Skywalker uh, obviously not raised in the temple born on Tatooine and lived until adulthood thinking he was just some normal kid so he had the real world he had as much real world real world perspective as anybody I think that when you look at those characters they are heroic for reasons completely on their own I think that I wouldn't blame Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and I know that this is kind of I'm, I'm counterpointing your bad a little bit here I guess that's, I, that's I, right. I wouldn't blame Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan for being apprehensive about having to be the queen's bodyguard i i wouldn't blame them for maybe not really enjoying the situation that they're in because i I don't know if they ever expected that they would be put in this situation i
1: i can't imagine that they would have but but here's here's my point and and i'm going to pull away from star wars for just a second because it it'll hopefully illustrate my point well you're a comic book fan too right um, yeah, for for the most part,
0: I, I haven't Enough. haven't read Enough. anything recently, but I I've certainly I'm I'm well read
1: on many of the popular heroes of both okay. DC and Marvel. Yeah. So one of the things that um, I think makes a compelling villain, okay, uh, and I'm going to use Magneto as an example. Magneto is the hero of his own story. Yeah. the The reason Magneto is the antagonist is because we're being told the show or the story from the perspective of the X-Men or whoever happens to be fighting him that particular week or month. Um, But Magneto's motives, he's trying to do good. Sure. So my problem is if the Jedi had fallen and they were a force for good, which is what we were led to believe in the original trilogy – then they would be doing bad things, but still with good motivation. And I don't think they conveyed that well, if that was their intention, because the Jedi are just assholes. They don't have that we're doing bad things for the best of reasons kind of mentality that I would have expected to see from a noble order that had fallen due to complacency and and things that go wrong. They're just genuinely a corrupt body, and the people in it are not good. They're not good people. They don't even think they're good people. I, I mean, Padme says something about being slaves, and she's an Aboo, and they're shitty. Um, but the Jedi don't bat an eye. It doesn't bother them at all. Um well, it, it, it uh, okay. just continues to happen that way for a lot of, they They abduct children Um, you know, you would think that originally they were doing it to raise the children, bring them up in the force, all of that kind of thing now it's just what happens but, it, okay if the
0: Jedi order up to the point of the Clone War which is obviously, you know they dive in head first they're put in charge of the grand army of the republic they're made generals you know they they are they become battle leaders they become warriors but up to that point i mean it it's illustrated to us by several jedi yoda included you know the force is to be used for defense never for attack uh, uh a lot of of these philosophies that they had been practicing up to this point were not meant for an, 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 uh, what am I trying to say? An antagonistic purpose. So, right. to, to say that they, I guess my point is, I can understand if they are not entirely heroic because they weren't brought up to be heroes,
1: per se. I, I don't care that they're not heroic. I care that they don't think they're heroic. Because even when we see in... Well, Anakin, Rebels, Anakin clearly does. Well, right. But Anakin's a decent human being <laughs> yeah. and arguably wasn't raised in the temple. He had more real life experience than Luke ever did. He was a slave on Tatooine.
0: Well, I wouldn't say than Luke ever did. I mean, Luke lived 19, 20 years before he discovered the force. I mean, it, it, well, and even then he wasn't raised. In, he wasn't in like a, a temple environment. He was on his own figuring out how to do all this until he learned from Yoda.
1: Right, but Anakin didn't have any temple time either. I mean, he did. He
0: he was brought in at the age of nine, what eight, nine, ten, somewhere in there, and he spent a decade uh, before the Clone before War the Clone Wars. fully began. Right.
1: But he wasn't in that temple the whole time.
0: Not the whole time, but I, I, you know what I mean. If his formative years were spent in the Jedi.
1: Sphere. His formative years were spent being a slave in a junk shop. You don't, you, don't think his teenage,
0: you don't think his teenage years are formative
1: years? Well, I think teenage years are formative years, but his teen years he spent going to do all the movies they didn't want to show us, but just hinted about. Because um, that was one of my complaints about episode two is they kept telling us about good movies that they didn't show us. Sure. Um. So I, I think he spent a lot less time in the temple, maybe, than, than you're thinking. But we know the Jedi, like when uh, uh, Kanan encounters those ancient Jedi knights that use the same style of lightsaber as Kylo Ren. I mean, they're obviously an, a knighthood in the way we envision a medieval knighthood. Right. They're, they're a romanticized knighthood, and I just think their depiction while I uh, appreciate the moral ambiguity uh, that was entered into Star Wars, um, I'm just not happy with their depiction as. Um, cause they just. Uh, let me give you an example of what I think would have been good or was good. Like um, when Mace Windu is planning a military coup. Okay. Okay he thinks he's doing the right thing sure you and i both know because we're looking at it from the outside that he's planning to overthrow the duly elected government and he's a he's a leader of the military sure uh, you know
0: but you and i but but we are not in agreement that that is absolutely the wrong thing to do because i i think that with the intelligence that he had received, and when he when it is confirmed that Palpatine is a Sith Lord, and you know is the Darth Sidious, the Sith Lord they've been looking for, who they know is connected to the Separatist Army, I, I think that frankly, it's probably his duty to, to do something about that. But that's neither here nor there.
1: Well, I, actually, that's exactly the point because there's moral ambiguity there because we disagree on that position. Right but what we don't disagree on is the fact that mace windu believes it's the right action, right? He thinks he's the hero in that situation. Yeah. And I think we can, I, I, I think I agree. I, yeah. I think in the rest of the movie, there are few Jedi who actually behave that way where they are the hero in that instance, even though they're doing a bad thing. I don't think Qui-Gon at any point in time was being the hero. Yeah, okay. And and so that's my bad to pick. That's what I'm picking for my bad, because I think the movies could uh, have the exact same outcome, almost do the exact same thing. But, like, um, when Qui-Gon is trying to free the boy, he wants the boy because he's got the highest space aids count of anybody he's ever seen.
0: Because he believes he is the chosen one of legend.
1: Right. So... But there is absolutely no he he's there's no I have to cheat to get the chosen one. There's no slavery is wrong, there's no there's no moral conundrum for him at all with all of these things going down. He's just gonna he's gonna steal this boy from Watto. Period. Okay. And so that's I, I think they could have done a better job of depicting the Jedi or at least maybe not a better job. Maybe they wanted them all to be assholes. Um, but I think a knighthood, a fallen order, uh, even if they're doing the bad thing, um, I think it would have been more impactful from a, a morality standpoint as if they still viewed themselves as heroes instead of just peacekeepers actually they even they talk about you know we're peacekeepers we're peacekeepers not soldiers no you fucking liar you walk around with a laser sword and you've got a strong tradition of fighting wars i guess they're just legends now but no fuck off you're not you are you are you might not be a warrior but the jedi's are and you should know that
0: yeah i suppose
1: you become a Jedi Knight, not a Jedi dude who doesn't have a ponytail.
0: <laughs> yeah, I suppose.
1: So anyway, my argument. Okay. Um,
0: moving on to the ugly. Yeah, I will, um, I'm will. i going to take the cop out. I'm going to take the easy way out on this one. Um, what I don't disagree with the intention of the Jar Jar Binks character. I think that the idea of someone not jedi related not government related you know basically the everyman becoming involved in this conflict is is a good one uh but i i obviously have have a lot of issues with how they executed that depiction of that person um and i I, it's no secret that a lot of other people do too it just was not a great not a great performance uh not a great concept of of character um i think that the visualization of the gungans is not a problem i don't have any problem with the way that they look uh but it it just it didn't work it it just didn't work
1: it it was worse than teddy bears defeating the empire and it was supposed to serve the same purpose right It. It was. I agree. It's ugly. It's an abject failure. At least Ewoks were cute and cuddly. Jar Jar was just dumb. Yes, and horribly. Oh God, (laughs) just bad.
0: I I know that there is a section of the fan base that defends the character. I know that there are some people who are like, man, I always thought he was funny. When I was a kid, I never had a problem with him. It's like, but these films are obviously viewed by more than just children. I I understand that Star Wars is a family film uh, series. Um, I understand that many, but but in that, many different demographics view this movie. And...
1: Oh go ahead I'm sorry. Oh
0: yeah and you you have to be accountable to all of those demographics.
1: Well, and ultimately this was your this was your attempt to reintroduce Star Wars to a new generation of fans. And you were going to do that by existing fans bringing their families to Star Wars. So I understand you want to put an element in that the kids will appreciate and will enjoy, but you can't do that in such. Well, first off, Jar Jar was funny, but Jar Jar was the joke. Yeah. Jar Jar wasn't funny. Jar Jar was the joke. Right. So that's bad writing. That's punching down. That's bad humor. Um, so first off, second of all what you ended up doing was pissing off a bunch of adult fans to make this poor alien the brunt of every joke in a bad way. And so that that was just uh, an ugly miss all around. All around. All right, Ben, the good. Um. Darth Maul, the concept of Darth Maul was really good. Mm -hmm. He was visually striking. He was fun to watch on screen. He was menacing from the moment you saw him. And that's the villain we wanted to see in Star Wars. Like, when we saw Sidious, he was in the background and he had the same role he did when we saw him in Empire um and that's fine and we see his power because somebody like vader bows to him but darth maul was a really good attempt to capture that same menace when he appeared on screen as vader had when i was a kid absolutely you know when when vader walks through the door of the tantive 4 That was a striking moment. And when Darth Maul first appears on screen, you feel that same thing. Um, And I liked that. I think that was very well done.
0: The first thing I have vivid memories of this, the first thing that I thought after I left that first time I saw episode one in the theater at seven years old was who would win in a fight, Darth Maul or Darth Vader? like I and I obviously wasn't the only one but I right. I think that that speaks to the impression that that character left even though he was well we thought he was killed off after one film um but I think that that stands to the impact visually and I I guess you could say mostly visually cuz he didn't have many lines in the film no um but it, his presence was certainly executed with a a, a great deal of finesse. I, I think that George uh, really outdid himself on that.
1: And as much as a Vader fanboy as I am, part of the menace of Vader, part of the cool factor is James Earl Jones's voice. Right. You captured that cool factor from a person who doesn't have James Earl Jones's voice. That's pretty fucking impressive.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're in agreement on that one. Um, the bad. Uh, shifting to another villain in the saga, I think that the execution of General Grievous in episode three, not necessarily in his first appearance in the Jendi Tartakovsky Clone Wars or in Clone Wars The George Show, um... But in in episode three in particular, I I just don't think he was very menacing. Uh, Can you make me cough more. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> I mean that, that's not. I mean that adds to it though, right? He he seemed like he was breaking down physically. Um, you didn't really see him. The only fight you see him get into, he loses.
1: Really. But, God, he is such a cool character I wish we could have seen more of him
0: I know that's the thing you you had such po- he did have a lot of potential and I think that building up to the film people were excited to see him and when when he shows up in the film uh it it isn't very impressive and no. I think they left a lot on the table with that one
1: it's very very anticlimactic
0: are we in agreement on that? We we are in agreement on that. All right, it's this has got to. I I love when uh I'm starting to love when you're s- sat with the ugly because I know that you'll figure something out.
1: <laughs> now I got to think of this. Now what what is something else ugly? Um, you know what I'm gonna say, and this is a cop out. I'm I'm gonna admit it, but uh, the death of Darth Maul was just not good. For such a menacing character, well, no, no, I only say that in in hindsight because they brought him back, and I think that diminished it um plus he open i mean frankly dip ben his
0: his death opens the door for one of your favorite characters in Star Wars,
1: yeah, I know well, that's why I said the fact they brought him back is what really bothers me the most. Because that fight scene was actually pretty good, so uh, let me let me retract that. Let me come up with a different. I have a, a an even better ugly. Okay. The f- end scene. The end. Um. The, the, the losing the will to live.
0: Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> the, the, and and that entire end, we can bring it from from. Uh, I have the high ground. Don't do it, Anakin all the way to the no screech. That is just t- terrible. That is just an ugly sequence that should not have been put on paper, much less film.
0: I don't have as much of a problem with it as you do, but I, I will admit that it's made enough people upset over the years that it it belongs in the ugly category.
1: Especially since these characters are so amazing that you could have done so much. Think of the impact if Padme actually died because Vader killed her. Yeah. What what if she had been dead on the landing platform, and R2 and 3PO had to drag her in, and she was being kept alive by a medical droid just so the twins could survive, but she was dead the whole time.
0: Man, that would have been really dark, though. You, you well, know, I mean, and granted, Revenge of the Sith was already a, a, a very dark film, because it had and, to be. But right, I, I don't well, know if, I just don't know if George would have ever pulled that sort of trigger.
1: And and I still think that it would have been much more impactful if uh, Obi Wan had done something. Um, if if Anakin would have been winning or would have won the fight, and had stopped to save Obi Wan, like didn't want to kill him, and Obi Wan took advantage of that to destroy Anakin, I think that would have been hugely more impactful, and would have explained a lot more um, moving forward. Sure. As to what's going on. Um, Yeah. I I just think that all of that would have been much better. So I think that's just a bad sequence. That is ugly. Very, very ugly.
0: Okay. Uh, The good. Uh, I think that the characterization overall of Anakin, not the performance, but the characterization and the, the story on paper is very good. Um, I think that the idea that he wasn't always a Jedi, right? He coming from the background that he did, he's brought in by the Jedi Order at pretty much exactly the, you could say the right or wrong time, because as he enters early adulthood, he's, he's put into this, this war. Um, But that also allows us to see his his best shine through. You know, he is a good person. He does want to help people. He does want to make a a positive influence on the galaxy. And he's he's also he's very confident. He's very confident in his abilities. Uh, And that ultimately, right. I'm sorry. And he's right. And he's right. I mean, he's not entirely right in the films, right? In, in the Clone Wars show, we see him be much more right than he is on screen in the films. But um, even... I, the, I just...
1: Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: Oh, that's okay. But even to the degree that... I mean, yeah, I, I guess I might want to walk this back a little bit that he's, he's absolutely a hero because there is that moment, and I... I'm still actually gripped by it when I see it now. Um I've brought it up before when we were talking about Attack of the Clone specifically, oh, almost 2 years ago now. Um but there is that scene it's one of the best dialogue scenes that I think George has ever come up with himself. Um and that being when Anakin and Padme are on Naboo and uh you know it it's a it's a nice day you know they they frolic around in the fields or whatever and then they they talk about their essentially their views of government their views of the world before the clone wars begins and you see that anakin doesn't necessarily have the best world view for someone who's not looking to be uh for someone who's not looking to be—I'm not going to say oppressed—but it, it, he, it seems that he legitimately believes, at least at that time, that if someone is going against the will of the greater good, that they should be made
1: to. Well, and and I agree that that's a great line of dialogue. I would not say it is the best scene because that's also well, where we get sand. I'm well. Well, no, I, I don't
0: know. Sand doesn't come from that scene.
1: Are you sure that's when they're on the balcony talking?
0: No, that's not when they're on the balcony. They're in the field, not the balcony. Oh, okay. The balcony is not great. The but the field is <laughs> is very good cuz we get, you know, we get Padmé talking about her past, about, you know, the uh the the boy that she was involved with in politician camp. Uh and <laughs> that that's a little right. that's a fascinating in, um look so into the,
1: the life field, of that character. But they so th- The field is bookended by two absolutely terrible scenes is what you're saying. Yes, for (laughs) sure. Because after that is the uh, bearskin rug.
0: Yes, of course. But I'm saying that scene in particular was handled with particular grace because Padme Padme kind of calls him out on that. She's like, well, that sounds an awful lot like a dictatorship. And then he realizes that he kind of fucked up. And that he's sort of making her angry, and so he, like, laughs it off and kind of pivots. But I I think that he only does that because he doesn't want to upset her in that moment.
1: Right. No, no, I was joking.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, ha, ha, ha. Uh, See, it was funny.
1: See, I agree that that's good, and, and I think it's a great depiction because Anakin's entire life, there has been somebody in charge who dictates what needs to be done. Right. So he doesn't understand any other power dynamic than servant and master.
0: And uh, I think that that worldview could, you know, that, that was him before the war began. I think that when the war gets underway, I think that his, his views do change a bit, as is evidenced well, in the Clone Wars. But I guess if we're keeping to just the prequel films, I still think that... George did a good enough job of showing us the the hero that Anakin was and I think that that makes his fall and eventual transformation all the much more effective.
1: All right. Uh the bad the battle of Coruscant.
0: The the opening of episode 3? Yep. Okay, I'm, I'm interested to see why this is bad because I I actually I mean I, I think it's a pretty memorable sequence.
1: It's it's visually it may it's fun to watch, but that ship is really low in the atmosphere on the most heavily populated planet in the galaxy. and they're actively trying to shoot it down with Palpatine on it. The strategy in that battle makes no damn sense. Okay, fair enough. And it's on fire and they send two fire ships to put it out for why you were the ones who lit it on fire in the first place. It's, what the what the hell? I, I just think it I think that, that uh it doesn't make much sense if you step back and look at it in the greater scheme. It's fun to look at. And there are probably a lot of scenes like that in these movies, particularly, because they I think it's one of the things that the original trilogy benefits from is the lack of computer. Um, effects, because you were really limited to what you could do, so you had to make what you could do count, and I think in the prequels, they did a lot of things to look pretty without actually considering the implications of them, and I think the Battle of Coruscant is a good example of that. The things that were happening in that fight made no sense. Sure. Sure. Especially when you have, like, tractor beam technology and other things that we've seen that could have worked to make it not that way. Yeah,
0: I agree. You know, going to the modern day, all of the hullabaloo that has been made about the Holdo maneuver and such, uh, I think that criticizing that strategy is certainly valid.
1: So I like I said I just I don't think it's ugly. In well, fact, I think it was beautiful, um, but it was just bad. It was just bad planning.
0: Fair enough. I I could say that you know they it was a surprise attack. They were just trying to scramble to defend themselves. But I I see what your I see what your point is. Um, the ugly. Uh, it's impossible to ignore this, as the ugly things should be. Uh, I won't say the overall quality of the performances, but I think that certain performances in particular were not... You know what? I will say the overall quality <laughs> of the performances from the actors in these films. Ewan McGregor did his best. I think he... You know, I actually... I think Ian McDiarmid did his best work. Uh, even more than his best. He was he was brilliant because Palpa uh, you know, I should save that. I'll say <laughs> I'll save that for later. Maybe you'll use that for your next good. But I won't,
1: but uh, go ahead.
0: Overall, uh, I think that the you know, Liam Neeson did all right, but it was clear to me at least that he was not giving it his one hundred percent as as a serious actor. Right. Uh up to that point, he had done some, some great work in other films, and I think that he, maybe he thought this was, oh, this is just a popcorn movie or whatever. Um, he didn't seem to have a high level of energy. Uh, Samuel, L., Samuel L. Jackson, who has been a tour de force in many films of bringing, I uh, granted, Mace Windu's not a fountain of personality,
1: but... He he could have been a lot better. See, I don't blame Sam for that though. You do you think that's the writing? I I don't I actually don't think it's the writing either. I think it's the direction.
0: See, and that I I guess you could blame the direction on a lot of this. Because, because
1: we, Sam Jackson wanted to be in the Star Wars movie. Right. He wanted to be Mace Windu. But and at, he has the
0: chops. But at some point, Ben the, the responsibility has to fall on the performer. It, yes, okay, the direction was not good. I mean, that that's why George didn't direct Empire and didn't direct uh, Return of the Jedi, even though Re- Return of the Jedi, you could argue, also suffers from a lot of these same problems. I mean, em- Empire right. Strikes Back, it, with the exception of the sequel films, I mean, out of these original six, I think Empire Strikes Back is certainly the most well-performed of any of the Star Wars films, um,
1: it's my favorite, so I'll agree with that.
0: Right, uh, you know, you you get the most realistic reactions, realistic deliveries from the actors because Irvin Kershner made that a priority. Uh, George, on the original Star Wars and on these films, he he's not an actor's director. Um, he didn't write the best dialogue for them. He his. Uh, it's legendary at this point his his main focus of direction on the original star wars was faster with more intensity
1: right (laughs) so but but i i think that that has to fall i'm i'm fairly certain that if if samuel jackson had given uh the type of performance that we know he could have done um he would have dominated almost every scene he was in. Sure, and I, he was told to uh, back off for whatever reason. You know, you're a stoic Jedi. No, tone it down, tone it down. And I, so, um, I, I'm not disagreeing with you that the performances were not on par. I'm just agreeing, disagreeing with where the blame goes.
0: I guess, I guess we'll never know. We'll never truly know. But I guess my my point was, uh, I I don't think. I think that a perfect storm of these two factors was Hayden Christensen. Um, as much as I enjoyed on paper—that's why I specified before on right. paper—the arc of Anakin. I think that with both Jake Lloyd, I, I really can't blame Jake Lloyd because he was a kid. I mean, how right. many good child actors are there? Not many. No. Um, but I can certainly, bl- I can certainly blame. Hayden Christensen, uh, you you can say he didn't have the direction, you can say he didn't have all these things. If you're someone who wants to be an actor, like, that's you, what you feel like is your calling in life. You want to be in films, you want to portray other people. Uh, you, you have to have a certain level of skill, you have to have a certain level of presence that what you're saying is bad,
1: right? Well, you do you know if if a cast member happens to ever listen to this (laughs) tell us like no judgment (laughs) for me I will not I will not call you out I I just genuinely want to know because I've seen these actors in other things and they have the ability to be amazing and not not that I I
0: I I'm You know, you mentioned if any of the actors listen to this, I'm very happy that it appears that Hayden Christensen is back in the fold because he had had a large part to play. I think that the imagery, I think that his when he wasn't speaking and even sometimes when he was speaking, I think that he he delivered on the image of Anakin.
1: But I I agree 100 percent there.
0: But I think that too often um. Whether it was a mixture of the dialogue, direction, or his own ability. Uh, he, he brought scenes down in a major way, and I'm I, obviously I'm not the only one who holds that opinion.
1: Right. Uh, I I don't disagree with, with the opinion. I, I just, you know, question where it comes from. But you're right, it's probably a perfect storm of all of these things.
0: Right. So that that has to go in the ugly category.
1: Yep, I I agree. Ben the good. So it's up to me for a good. That's right. I am going to go with and this is kind of a mixed blessing. Um ship design. The ships looked really cool. Oh, sure. Um it's a mixed blessing because Can I argue? It, can I argue that
0: we can expand that to Ships and architecture, or, or oh, yeah, ar- yeah, ar- is- architecture. What? Wh- why am I not able to say that word correctly? Architecture. There we go.
1: I the 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 reason it's am- I think it was really cool looking. Um, I think sometimes it may have even overshadowed the original trilogy. Oh yeah. So then you have to ask yourself, why the hell were they using X wings if they had these kick ass Naboo fighters, right? And could make them? Um, because that was one of the things that. It was one of the concerns I had going into the uh, prequel. And one of the things I think all prequels will eventually or will suffer from is as our technology gets better, we can do more. Right. And so you you have the problem of the technology in, in a sci-fi movie looking more advanced in the prequels than it did in the original. And that causes a problem with the technology curve. Um, but overall, I think the, desi- the designs were amazing. The look of things was just beautiful.
0: I I certainly agree. Um, especially when it comes to, uh, granted, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but the cityscape of Coruscant is a sight to behold. Right, Um it- Pla- I, I'm only really
1: talking about the visuals, not the logistics behind Right, that.
0: right. the The planet of Naboo, while you may not like the people or the government, uh, I think that the planet was brought to life in a in a great way. I think it's oh, it's, it's fucking pretty, visually striking. Looks like a great place to live.
1: Uh, and if you're in Naboo, it probably is.
0: Even Tatooine uh, Looks good. Yes, with, with Moss Espa and the Boonta Eve track um, brought a new a level of life to that planet that I think that we had previously not even conceived.
1: As long as we ignore the fact that all those beings need to consume water that planet does not have.
0: Well, that's why they're moisture farming, Ben. (laughs) That's why they're farming moisture.
1: Right. Uh,
0: The bad... Uh Oh shit. Uh well I'll I'll use that as my next good. The bad. Um I know that I pointed this out about Grievous before, um, but I think that it's also bad that Christopher Lee as Count Dooku was given such a a quick exit in episode three. And granted, that was when Dooku needed to go, because Palpatine needed Anakin to start to think about his future but uh, I think that the fact that Count Dooku is a much bigger character off screen of the films than he is on screen in the films is a disservice to the actor and uh, a disservice to a really interesting
1: character and that actor Christopher Lee is an amazing actor
0: yeah and he did a great job yep he did a great job. Uh you know, I I hate to agree with or I or I, I hate to even begin to fuel your Dooku dreams, Ben. Um but I honestly, yeah, I, I think that Count Dooku in the scope of the films is an afterthought.
1: And it's sad.
0: It is sad.
1: I I agree, that's bad. Alright, you got an ugly? Oh yes I do. Mid a fucking Chlorion.
0: Oh, come
1: on nope that was that it's ugly Zach it is ugly it is ugly I And, and it's it's ugly because and I've I've said this before but in a large way it ruins the force and it didn't need to there are a million different ways they could have determined that Anakin was the chosen one without a midichlorian count and you ruined the dreams of a bunch of children in the process so you didn't make the movies good and you hurt the fan base in the process that makes it ugly
0: okay I I will I mean it's your ugly so <laughs> i i have to go along with it right now i i don't think i can completely agree with you for the reasons that you said but well, i i will i i will concede I, I mean, we can di- we
1: can discuss it that's the point but well, we've discussed it before,
0: and I and I don't necessarily want to drag it out. I don't want to give people a reason to dis- to dislike me. I I, <laughs> I get it. I get the idea behind trying to quantify the force in something. I don't think that the concept was a bad
1: one. But, um, but and I I, I never quantify. You could quantify the force without space aids. I guess, but. You you could do it without saying it's a microscopic organism that lives inside of us and lets us, because the forest permeated everything before. It does, does still. Because everything has to have midichlorians now? Well, no. Well, has to otherwise you
0: can't manipulate the force. But the midichlorians allow you to communicate with the force. That that's it. I mean like the force but still resides to eventually.
1: I know I'm going beyond the the prequels now, but eventually even poor kids sweeping can use the force. But that because means it doesn't belong to anybody in particular. But that means that they
0: have that kid has a high midichlorian count. Which but by the way yeah, this is not related to the prequel films, but that is my number one pet peeve criticism of the sequel trilogy is that, oh, now suddenly everybody can be a Jedi. I thought you had to have a parent to be a Jedi. What are you talking about? Everybody, uh, almost every Jedi was born to a family that up to that point didn't have the force, right? Well, I mean, They
1: had to be. They had to be. Because if they had the force, they weren't allowed to love and they were taken away from their family as children.
0: Well, sure. Yeah, there aren't many Jedi that have children. There's only really one example that we have seen of a Jedi with a child. And it just so happens, or two children. And it just so happens that those children also happen to be pretty kick ass. I,
1: I, but that is one of the things, actually, the, the inverse of that argument is one of the reasons I hate it. I still reach for things to try and see if I can use the force to get the remote. Yeah. At no, yeah. least twice a week.
0: Okay. That Ben, that sounds like a personal problem.
1: But but the thing is, as a kid, that was the thing. That's what Yoda told us. It was just a matter of faith and belief, and you took that away. Okay. My kids don't have that. Okay. So and, and I think that is detrimental. I'm saying that's an ugly. Okay. Uh let's do one more series of
0: these. Okay. Uh, I think that a good... I'll cap it off the good with Ian McDiarmid, as I started to gush about before. (laughs) Um, I think that... First of all, it was really cool, just the way that all the timing worked out, that this man who was relatively young and had to be made to look old and decrepit for Return of the Jedi, (laughs) when they, they finally got around to making his backstory... Uh, he happened to be the right age to play the character, um, so that's cool. And the fact that that obviously Palpatine is—he is the villain to end all villains. Frankly, in the Star Wars universe, I understand right. that Darth Vader is this icon of of evil. I understand that Darth Maul has the the menacing presence that we've talked about previously, but Palpatine is. The epitome of evil in the Star Wars mythos, and yep. the fact that Ian McDiarmid was allowed uh, and had the presence of mind to be like, "I'm gonna just have fun with this. I'm just gonna be as over the top evil as I possibly can." That comes through on screen. Yes, do do it. That comes through on screen so brilliantly. I I get that it is almost comical at times. Um, like when he's asking, Ana- when, when he's saying, good, the force is strong with you. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the right. strange growls, but that adds to it. He's, he's mad. He's mad with power at that moment. All of his plans have finally come true. It doesn't matter. So what? I'm going to make this over the top growl. I'm going to sound a little dumb, but who's going to tell me I'm dumb? Nobody. Because I am the ruler of the universe. Yep. I am Sheev Palpatine. I am Sheev Palpatine. And it, as, you know, people complained that Snoke, we don't know about Snoke, we don't know about his backstory, whatever. We didn't know about the Emperor. We didn't know about his backstory in in the original trilogy. But I'm so glad that we found out because the mastery of manipulation the lining up of the pawns in the game that Palpatine was playing that nobody else saw somehow, uh, I I think that it it was executed brilliantly on screen, and I think that Ian McDiarmid was was the perfect person to bring it to life.
1: I agree. Okay, Ben the bad. The bad. I am going to go with the. Uh, and it's something that I've complained about before, but I'm going to go with the disparity between the clone troopers and the battle droids. Hmm. Okay. That that the separatists are the more humane fighters, or the more humane of the um. That, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna make my bad being you made the bad guy of this movie more sympathetic. I mean, until episode three, when everybody who didn't know that Emperor Palpatine and Chief Palpatine were the same person, um, and you realize that he's the only bad guy and everybody else is a pawn. But the separatists are much more sympathetic than the Republic, which we're supposed to be rooting for. Okay. And I think that that was a bad decision.
0: But that goes to moral ambiguity,
1: Ben. I know, which is great. But so, no. which is it great or bad? <laughs> Moral ambiguity is good, but you've made your bad guy for the second movie. Um, sympathetic. I really was not cheering for the Republic. I mean, by that point, Anakin was on screen, so let's face it, I was cheering for Anakin, but um. My sympathies would have been with the separatists if Anakin had not been involved.
0: Okay. Uh, for the final ugly, and and we only say final because we only have so much time. <laughs> Obviously, we could continue talking about this forever and ever. I've got a lot of, I got a lot of good things to say. I I wish that these films were looked at in a better light. This is going to seem like a little bit of a cop out, Ben. Okay, my final ugly is actually something that I feel like could also be perceived as good. Uh-oh. Um, but it seems a lot of people perceive it as an ugly, so I am, I'm I'm going to keep it in the ugly column. Uh, these films are the vision of one man. Uh, they are the vision of George Lucas. They are the unfettered creativity of a man that has had at that point become regarded as one of the most Accomplished storytellers in all of Hollywood Um He had the money obviously To make them completely himself As he had always intended to with the original Trilogy um He had the The creativity the time To come up with with this story That he he felt needed to be told And he executed it I think a lot of Folks would say that He probably should have got some help he probably should. He probably should have had some people checking him during this process, and I think that that's why it would show up in the ugly column because he did not. Uh, he he pretty much relied on his own in, intuition. He he had producers, but let's face it. I mean, Rick McCallum is a yes man. He's not a not somebody. You know, he was the producer on all three of the prequel films, or he was credited as a producer. We see him in documentaries during that era you know talking about the ve- the development of the story and all these different things i mean it, he always came off to me in these interviews as just somebody who was along for the ride yes george yes george and the, the the real unanswered mystery of these films would be what what would they have been had george had somebody else on the project that could have kind of reduced that, I won't say creativity, but reduced that vision to something maybe a little more palatable.
1: Yeah, I think George envisioned himself as Palpatine. In what fashion? Well, because that he could control everything and that he was going to make the right decision. You know what I mean? He was the, the power. And I don't think he was Palpatine. I think he would be more suited to a uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. Um, I think he needed somebody in as a check and balance.
0: Right. I mean, uh, it is, this is getting onto another trilogy of films, but this is, you know, it, it is very telling that the, the film that we both love the most was directed by another person, uh, was... The screenplay was written by another person.
1: Um, See, that's, that's what George should have done. He should have said, here's my idea. You make a screenplay and you direct it, and I'll just cash my check. And I'll show up all the time to be like, no, I kind of thought it should be this. But you ultimately get to say. Yeah. Maybe more Coke. Maybe more cocaine. Because <laughs> we
0: all know it's not a Star Wars set without cocaine. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking, but come on now. Was
1: I'm just high- saying most of us really, really like the movies where everybody was high all the time. <laughs> that's
0: that's true. I I don't know about the current films. I'm sure they have a little bit stricter rules on set, but you never Right,
1: know. and they get more guff. I'm telling you, the level of cocaine <laughs> directly affects how much fans love the movies.
0: You know what Ben, I think we've boiled it down. I think that that's the the guiding theory.
1: There's a correlation. I don't know if there's causation, but there's definitely a correlation.
0: So what you're saying is that Garrett Edwards had a lot of drugs on the set of Rogue One.
1: I I'm guessing he had to because we all like that movie. Apparently. Uh all right.
0: I think that that is going to wrap it up this week. Look at that. An hour and 11 minutes just like completely gone. Hey, it didn't feel like anything. That's just
1: because we—we're
0: just riffing on Star Wars. That's what we like to do, and I—I I think that uh, again, we 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 spend so much time. Sometimes I feel like I probably overthink this show. Uh, I overthink. You know, what are we talking about? Something that's relevant? Are we? Are we lending any insight to the films that hasn't been, or to the shows that hasn't been lent before? Are we doing anything productive at all? Um, and you could argue that we probably still didn't, (laughs) but, but I think that, um, you know, we didn't think about this at all. Ben, you can, you're a witness to this. We literally just turned on these microphones. I, I gave you the idea of what I wanted to do this week and we just went.
1: Yeah, but it works. I like it. I like it
0: too. I think it will be a lot more difficult. That's what, when we are recording at fire and ice, and we take on the original trilogy in this format, I think it's going to be a lot more difficult because we we both hold those films in such high regard. But I know, I, th- I know that there are facets of those films that are not executed to the best of their ability. We just have to figure out what those are.
1: <laughs> I think we can do it, though.
0: Okay. Okay, we'll, we'll try to be as fair as possible. Um, or unfair as possible, either way.
1: Right, right. We'll be fair and balanced, like... Fox News.
0: Like like the old Fox News. They they I don't think they use that phrase anymore. <laughs> thank God.
1: They, they stopped.
0: Yeah. Well, we want to thank you guys for uh, on that note, talking about Fox News. We're going to we're going to let you guys go this week. Uh Please download the show. Please share it with your Star Wars-loving friends. Uh, and if you agree with us, if you disagree with us, if you think we missed something big about the prequel trilogy, like I said before, email us at New Jedi Archives one word, at gmail.com, or message us on Facebook. Hit us up on that social media platform, the largest in all of the galaxy.
1: And, By the uh, time you hear us fighting about Star Wars again, our contest will be over. That's true. So remember to send an entry in so that you can win these cards and Zach can once again say, why are you using that as a prize? That's right.
0: Because I want it. And you
1: can't have it.
0: I can't. I can't have it. Ah, that's not entirely true. It's our show. I could rig the drawing. <laughs>
1: I would not part with them because they are in my possession.
0: Okay, fine. So would I would have—I just have to kill you in the parking lot and take it for my own.
1: You would have to have somebody else enter on your behalf.
0: Oh, I see. Okay, okay, okay. My diabolical Palpatine plan is coming into effect. Yeah, I'll—I'll I'll, I'll get it. I'll make it happen somehow. Or I can just buy it myself. Either way. You could. Also, as a little aside, as a little look ahead to future episodes, when Ben and I get together at this convention, I'll be handing off something very valuable and what is that? ripe for uh, analysis, and that would be the NPR Star Wars radio dramas. Oh, I am excited about that. Ben, you drive... Many hours a day for a living? Yes, I put on many miles. Do you have a CD player in your car? Yes, I do. Perfect, because I've got all of uh, all the complete volumes of the original trilogy retold in radio drama form for you to ingest, <laughs> digest on your travels, the perfect opportunity, the perfect time, uh, and We'll be able to to talk about those in great in great detail. I, I'm really looking forward to it. I've I've always had a, a great affinity for these productions ever since I discovered their existence a few years back, and uh, I am happy to say that I finally own them, and I'll be sharing them with Ben, and then we will be sharing our thoughts with you.
1: Have you uh, you've listened to them already? I assume
0: I've listened to them in the past. Um, how how uh, how long are they? Well, the original, um, the first one is quite long. Uh, I'd say it's about seven hours in length. Oh, wow! Uh, maybe not seven. Maybe more like five. But there, it covers uh, seven CDs. It is without a doubt the longest of the of the trilogy. Um, they actually reduce in length as the trilogy continues. the The Empire Strikes Back is only five CDs long. And Return of the Jedi is only three. They clearly just wanted to get the whole thing over with. <laughs> Which is kind of unfortunate.
1: I was just curious how long they ran, so I knew how long it was going to take me to listen to
0: them. And probably not that long. you know. I, I would think you'd be able to listen to the whole collection probably over the course of a week. Alrighty. Yeah. So we'll... We'll tackle those in the future. We'll also be looking at Clone Wars Season 2 very shortly, I imagine. And I think that that is going to do it for that look ahead as we barrel on, as I mentioned at the beginning, towards the end of the year and the final chapter in the Skywalker Saga. Uh,
1: Ben, any last words? No, I think that's it. Remember to enter the contest. So you can win these cards and stop and visit us at Fire and Ice. Okay. Short and sweet, Ben, may the force be with you. And also with you, Zach. This has been a Galactic Netcast production. For more, go to GNcast.com.